Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am, as always, excited about every episode I do. I'm also very excited about today's episode. I just want to let you know that I think today's episode is going to be a deep one, a profound one, a challenging one, maybe a controversial one, one that will cause you to think differently outside the box and maybe challenge your current belief systems. And I wanted to do a short intro to introduce you to my guest today. Uh, My guest today is someone that I had um, first come across his work as a 13-year-old kid in London. And I was fascinated with his work and his book, Uh, his book, I Am Me, I Am Free, which was really focused on the spiritual element of who we are as human beings. Um, And then years later, I read some of his other books, uh, The Truth Will Set You Free, and some of his other books. He's the author of 20 books, um, author, speaker, groundbreaking author and speaker. And, you know, I'm someone who I have always loved having conversations with people that don't necessarily agree with me and believe everything that I believe. I think that many times we limit ourselves because we only associate with people that have our set of belief systems or believe everything we believe. And uh, that tends to reinforce our ego structure. And so I'm a believer that part of uh, unity and oneness and freedom and expanding ourselves is to um, have dialogue and conversations with people that might have different perspectives and teachers that challenge our current belief system, which allows us to evolve and grow. And so I'm not bringing David on because I, Uh, necessarily agree with everything he says. There's elements of what he says that I find fascinating, elements that I agree with, elements I don't necessarily agree with. Um, But I'm always willing to question myself. And so as we go into today's episode, I invite you to go in with an open mind and see what he says and see what he says triggers you, upsets you, see what he says you agree with and see what he says that might cause you to question yourself and your reality. And uh, that's what causes you to grow. And so enjoy today's episode. I have a feeling, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have a feeling it's going to be a a real one, an eye-opening one, uh, a profound one in some ways. Let's dive in. And again, if you enjoyed today's episode and any episodes of Soul Talk, share it with friends and share it with family. Uh, Write a review on iTunes or Spotify. Um, This is how the podcast, the Soul Talk podcast, grows and expands its reach. Enjoy today's episode of now. Here we go. As I was mentioning, folks, I'm very excited about my guest today. Um, I mentioned earlier that this is a guy whose who's book I, I first came across when I was a kid and growing up in London. At the age of 13, I came across a book of his that was really about the, the nature of who we are 
as infinite consciousness. You know, I am me, I am free. And growing up as a kid in London, uh, I felt so much restriction in the British culture and the customs and the rules that this book as a 13-year-old blew my mind. So as I mentioned earlier, I think you're in for a treat. Listen with an open heart, an open mind. He's a groundbreaking author, a public speaker, and someone I've long wanted to have on Soul Talk. I'm glad it's finally happened. Mr. David Icke, welcome. Thank you, mate. Real pleasure. It's great to be here. Look, there's so much I want to dive in uh, into today. There might be some folks, can you believe it, that, I don't know, may not know of you, of your work. Can you, like, I'm just curious, what, like, could you just give people a certain framework of when did the certain awakening happen? Like you were going down a certain trajectory, living life. What was the moment where you started to question reality and who you were? Just to give people a context, and then I want to dive into the dream, the dream and other concepts. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, from the time I was a kid, I, um, I didn't go with mainstream religion. I didn't go with religion. And I also uh, didn't buy the idea that uh, basically we're a cosmic accident um, in terms of you have one life and that's it. I didn't buy any of that. But I never really got into, okay, so what is the story? Uh, because I was uh, going on my life and career and all that stuff. And I, I started off as a professional footballer. Uh, that finished with arthritis. I became a, a newspaper journalist, radio journalist, yeah. television journalist, and then uh, a, a BBC sports presenter. Then I became a national spokesman for the British Green Party in the 1980s for a, a short time. It was a short time because I saw what politics was like and that it was an answer to nothing. Uh, and then I had uh, <laughs> the top of my head blown off uh, just very, very quickly because it's uh, it's a long yeah. story. I... Um, I was feeling throughout 1989, when I was working with the Green Party and the BBC, that uh, when I was in a room alone, I was not alone. There seemed to be a presence there. And this was all new to me because I'd never come across any of this before. And then by uh, the spring of, uh, what was it, 1990, um, it, this was so tangible. It was, it was unignorable anymore. Um, it had been for a while, but really big time then. I was uh, working for the BBC in London and I, uh, I finished a program and I went to stay overnight at a hotel called the Kensington Hilton, just down the road from the BBC headquarters. And uh, I, I sat on a bed uh, in an empty room and I said out into the room, if you're there, if there's something there, would you please contact me because you're driving me up the wall. <laughs> and a few days later, um, I'm just a five minute walk from where I'm sitting now. Uh, and I was with my son, Gareth, who's a little boy then. And uh, I, I was stopped outside of a newsagent shop, like a, you know, a paper uh, selling shop, and it sold things for tourists and what have you on the seafront. And uh, I, he, the, a railwayman stopped me wanting me to talk about football or something. And then I realized Gareth um, was missing uh, when, um, when we'd finished the conversation, but I knew where he would be. He would be in the shop because he liked, you know, like we all do in my family, we like steam trains and he's looking at the old steam train books. So I walk in and I'm standing at the entrance to uh, the shop and there's Gareth with a steam train book. And I said, come on, Gaz, we'll go up in the town and get some lunch. And at that moment, the 
atmosphere around me changed. Uh, what I now realize, it was electromagnetic field changed. Mm. And it was, um, it was, it felt like magnets were pulling my feet down. And I heard, it wasn't a voice, but it was a very strong thought form went through my, my mind, which said, go and look at the books on the far side. Now, I knew this newsagent shop, went in there loads of times, um, and I knew what the books were. They were romantic novels for the, uh, the tourists sitting on the beach in the deck chairs mm-hmm. and on the coast here. And um, so why? But th- what was happening to me was so bewildering and so strange. I kind of walked across the, the shop in a daze, and I got to the books, and there were the, there were the romantic novels. Uh, but in, in, in the middle of them was, was a book called Mind to Mind by uh, a lady called Betty Shine. Mm. And I turned it over, and on the back, um, I saw the word psychic. It was a biography by a psychic, and she was talking um, about uh, her work and how, you know, what goes on and mm. what she contacts, how she contacts. <clears throat> um, immediately I saw the word psychic, I thought, I wonder if this lady would be able to pick up what's been going on for me, with me for now a year. So I contacted her and uh, went to see her, and I saw her four times. Mm. Uh, the first two times, uh, she was a, a, also a, a healer, a hands healer. And uh, so I said to her, I've got arthritis, finished my football career, um, so maybe your hands healing could help. Uh, and I told her nothing else. I didn't want a leader or anything. I just want to see what happened. So I went a couple of times. We had a nice chat, a bit of healing. Then the third time, um, I was on this medical-type bench in her front room, and uh, she was doing the healing just off my left knee. And I felt like a spider's web on my face, which kind of hit me because I just read in her book that when other levels of reality are trying to lock into you, mm. uh, you can sometimes <clears throat> feel a spider's web on your face. Again, it's electromagnetic, uh, an electromagnetic connection. So I said nothing to her. I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, this was in her book. And uh, about 15 seconds later or so, um, she reels her head back and says, my God, I've got to close my eyes for this one. This one's powerful. Oh, this is powerful. Mm. And she went on to tell me, this is in March 20, uh, no, 1990, that um, I was going to go out. She said she was she was locking into uh, some presence at some uh, entity or whatever and was being asked to tell me these things, that I was going to go out on the world stage and reveal great secrets. And my, um, my response was, you know, I'm, I, I present the sport for the BBC. What, what, what is she talking about? <laughs> um, but something here was saying, you've got to go with this, you've got to go with this, even though this was going, what's going on? Uh, mm. And uh, that I was uh, going to be world famous. Again, I, I thought I present the sport for the BBC. And that... Um, I would be led to knowledge and knowledge would be put into my mind uh, directly. Mm. And that uh, there was a, uh, a transformation, a human transformation. Uh, and, and on and on it went. One man cannot change the world, but one man can communicate the message that can change the world was one line I, I remember. Mm. And uh, so I went back um, the following um, the following week and some more things came through and and then that was pretty much the end of it but from the moment i left her front room on the first the first uh, time that we had that communication um exactly what she said started happening i started to be uh, led to synchronistically uh, sometimes amazingly synchronistically 
to knowledge, to personal experiences, to people, to books, to documents, to whistleblowers. Um, and it was, first of all, um, showing me a picture hmm. that the world is not run by the forces that appear to be running it, the, the presidents, the prime ministers, all these people. They're just mm. front people for the real controllers, which are in the background. Mm. From about the early 19, uh, from the, well, mid, just after the mid-1990s, by 1996, when I first went to America to talk about these things, to nobody, by the way, <laughs> um, uh, then came that the force ultimately behind human control is a non-human force operating outside of our uh, seen reality, which is almost everything that exists. And then... Um, just after the turn of the millennium, I got this uh, overwhelming feeling that this is a simulation and that the limit of the simulation in this um, in this level of it, there are others, uh, is the speed of light. And um, it was another 20 years before um, I saw an article in Scientific American from an academic saying that he concluded that we live in a simulation and the um, the limit of it is the speed of light, which he related to processing speed. But, um, and since then, of course, um, since uh, well, kind of the maybe 2016, 2017 and onwards, uh, more and more scientists have started to say, well, hold on a minute. If, if you do go down the road of the simulation hypothesis, then a lot of the, if not all, the mysteries of life start to disappear. And funnily enough, I was just saying to you before we uh, we started, um, about, what, 10 minutes ago now, I'm reading um, an article in the, uh, the Daily Mail, a big newspaper in Britain, and there's a, a physicist in there being featured uh, who actually works at a university just across the water from me, a place called Portsmouth, mm -hmm. a naval centre once. And uh, he's saying that he's found evidence that we live in a simulation. So it's it's starting to starting to come out uh, but i got that like direct if you like just after the turn of the millennium and uh so the the story that's unfolded uh, in with all these kind of uh, pieces in the puzzle being handed to me in this synchronistic way and also being put directly in there um it's that we are trapped in what we call the human body mm. and uh because we're trapped by perception. The uh, simulation gives us a fake perception, both of the reality we're experiencing, and we can get into that and how it works. It's real simple, really. And um, also a fake perception of, 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 of us, the I. Mm. Mm. The, um, you know, so many people, they, they self-identify the I with the labels of a, a, a human life, the labels of a human body and all the things mm. that go with it. In fact, through the, the, the what we, is known as the woke mentality, um, the subdivision of self-identity is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. Uh, when actually uh, the true eye is consciousness. It, mm. We are a, a, a point of attention, ultimately a tiny point of attention or a, a, an expansive, infinite point of attention, depending on our state of um, perception, mm. of one infinite consciousness, some people call God. Mm. But um, what we've what's happened is that our perception has been hijacked, and so you've got um, multiple levels of this hijack. First of all, you've got what's happening in the world now, all around us, mm. which is 
uh, the, the censorship madness, uh, which is getting more and more extreme all the time, where um, they want to control your perception because that controls your behavior. You know, we behave as we do because we perceive as we do. And mm -hmm. if you're going to control perception, you have to control the information that people receive to form their perceptions. That's what the censorship's really about. It's stopping other ways of explaining the world mm. from, 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 being, uh, from people having access to it. Uh, but, and so that's all going on here in the world that we see and know. But on another level, our entire perception of self and reality is, a, is fakery. And, and um, what we call awakening, true mm. awakening, is awakening from the uh, what, what the Gnostics uh, saw in, in uh, ancient mm. times as um, the body prison uh, and realizing that actually um, that's not who we are at all. Mm. And if you look at the, the world and how the society works, it's all five sense focused. Yeah. It's all five sense centric. Yeah. And the, the five senses are that point that where we interact and connect with the the, the simulation, the matrix, mm -hmm. which is not a construct. It's a, a field of information, which we are decoding into what we perceive as the reality we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Before you go further, it's profound. Before you go further, can you just like clarify, define simulation? Like when you say simulation, I think some people might be like, well, what, what does he mean? Si this is a simulation. Okay. I mean, um, like a virtual reality game, only vastly, vastly more advanced. And you know what I, I find not just interesting, but blatantly bloody obvious now, mm. um, is that this um, technological explosion that's been going on now for a long time and, and getting more and more sophisticated and, and extreme all the time in terms of AI and technological control of society, yep. that, whether it's the advancement of holographics to the point where you can hardly tell the difference, which is where we're not far away from, um, whether it's computers and Wi-Fi, whatever it is, um, it's mimicking technologically the reality that we're experiencing and how we experience it. And I would just say, that it, uh, just say this, um, the, for me, we're, we're part of this infinite field of consciousness. Mm. Um, and, and we're exploring forever, forever. That's as bad as it gets. But um, if you could just imagine um, like infinite reality and then a Wi-Fi field um, laid, laid over part of it, actually a very tiny, tiny part of it, mm. and, and that the human body has been uh, created or, or manipulated uh, uh, if you if you don't go as far as creating to interact with that field of information oh. and we therefore decode that information field into what we believe is an external reality mm. when actually it's um, an illusion which is decoded in 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 the in the mind in the in the in the brain if you like and, you know, like I say, it's extraordinary mm. the way that uh, I'm seeing technology literally mimicking how we create reality. So um, if you said to someone who didn't know anything about computers or Wi-Fi, mm. 
that there's a field of information in this room and all around the world that you can tap into in any country in the world, virtually. And you can tap into that worldwide reality we call the internet, the World Wide Web. Mm. Um, If people didn't know anything about computers and Wi-Fi, they'd say you were mad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, And yet... Now, because people know about computers and Wi-Fi, they have no problem with that. It's, yeah, yeah, I understand Wi-Fi and, and uh, computers. Yeah, of course, it's obvious. It's, everyone knows that. Mm. But the only difference between everyone knows that and you're mad is knowledge. That's all it is. Mm. And so if you um, then uh, look at um, the Internet, you say to people, what's the Internet? They'll tell you it's uh, videos and graphics and words and all that stuff on the screen, on the computer screen. Yes, it is, but only on the screen. Mm. Everywhere else, it's um, a Wi-Fi field or electronic circuits. And the point being that where is that uh, reality we call the internet in the way that we perceive it on the screen? Where is it? It's inside the computer. Mm. It's not here or here or here or here. It's inside the computer. And what you do then is you look, and this is mainstream science, at how we decode reality. Mm. And what's happening is the five senses are uh, tapping into waveform information, wave field frequency information. The ears are a classic with, um, with the sound waves, um, but all the senses work the same. And they're, cha- they're, they're transforming those frequencies into electrical signals, including sight, which is communicated to the brain. And there's parts of different parts of the brain that specialize in different um, senses. And then the brain puts together this reality that we think is external to us, but is actually inside of us. In other words, the way we uh, manipulate reality or, or, or decode reality, better word, is uh, we are manipulated by this, uh, is the same principle as a computer mm. and Wi-Fi. And, you know, uh, it, <laughs> My, my, my view, I, since the 1990s, um, I've been calling the body a biological computer because mm. I say it's decoding reality. And uh, so imagine the body is a headset in a virtual reality game. Mm. Now look, uh, you can go on the internet when this interview is over, uh, anybody can, and they can find compilations of people um, on the video platforms of people who have put headsets on in an empty room, maybe, <laughs> and suddenly their whole sense of reality has been taken over. Yeah. And, and how are these games interacting with people uh, through the sight senses, through the audio senses, and even through the touch senses, through the gloves and stuff, and the most sophisticated ones? Mm, mm. They're hacking into the five senses. They're hacking into this five-sense decoding system. And, and so you've got people screaming and thrashing about and falling over and jumping because of what's being fed to them. Um, And uh, so what they can do, because it's completely taken over the sense of reality, and it's just a headset, Mm. they can take it off. And they look around the room and go, it's just a game. Mm. But what if this was your decoding system, that this was decoding the simulation. Mm. Um, it would mean that you um, are, are, are in the womb as, as this 
body develops and it's starting to decode the simulation. You come out of the womb and you meet parents with headsets on symbolically and, and, and your siblings and kids at school and the teachers, headsets on. Mm. You go to college, university, professors, academics, headsets mm. on. You look at the news, the bloke with a headset on telling you what's going on in the world. Scientists have got headsets on. Academics got headsets on. Uh, the medical profession have got headsets on. Um, everywhere you look, they've got headsets on. And they're all being fed the same reality. Mm. The, the, I mean, when you see what will happen with just a literal headset, what what's going to happen through your life from tomb to uh, from womb to tomb is going to be um, your sense of reality, your complete sense of reality, and it's because this is decoding the simulation into uh, an apparently an apparently physical reality, actually holographic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why when we come into the world, this becomes overwhelmingly. In, in many cases, totally, our sense of reality and a sense of where we are, who we are. And mm-hmm. what we call awakening is when people um, allow their uh, consciousness to expand into levels of insight, knowledge, awareness that are beyond the frequency bounds, which are not that wide at all, mm-hmm. of the simulation, and suddenly... They can see things which in the simulation experience they can't see. Mm. Um, people who've gone through this awakening uh, process have said to me so many times, it's so obvious, mate. Why couldn't I see it before? Well, mm. I'm explaining why they couldn't see it before. Because mm. if you're only uh, five cents centric, you're in the world and you are of the world. Mm. But if you are obviously in the world because you need to be, uh, you, you need a, a quote body to, um, decode this reality uh, into an experience. But if your consciousness is tapping into levels beyond the simulation, out in the the infinite, then you're not of the world. Mm. And you see it in a completely different way. And and here you have the reason why you've got people who are what we call solid gold asleep, solid gold in the program being driven by the program. Mm. And those increasingly, I've watched this happen. My God, I've watched this happen. Mm. Um, increasingly they are um, seeing things they couldn't see before and becoming aware of a, of a world they never knew existed before. Mm. So what, why, I guess, two questions in one, but connected. Why, why do we incarnate? Like what is then the purpose of incarnation? Into, right. like, why, why do we incarnate and how the hell do we get free? Well, you know, um, what I feel, I'm just, just it, it's my view after this, my 34th year of researching mm. what the hell's going on. Um, I think people have got trapped in the belief mm. that we have to keep coming back through reincarnation to, to learn lessons, to evolve. I think that's um, a massive trap. Um, and um, let me explain why. Because that was the, the, the word... I, I, I've been asking for 34 years and go on asking all the time, why, why, mm. why? Mm. Okay, this is happening, but why is it happening? So an obvious question is why would some um, intelligence uh, want to do this? Why would they go to this trouble of creating a simulation to literally hijack the, the perception of entrapped consciousness? 
Mm. Why would they do that? Well, you know, all, all these uh, questions, I've got a lot more mine, <laughs> but uh, all, the, all these questions have, have, have found answers over the, over the years. We, we live in a, a narrow, narrow band of um, reality. I mean, the visible light uh, mm. and frequency, which is the only one we could see, um, is so small, it's ridiculous. The electromagnetic field, which is basically our reality in many ways, really, um, is uh, said by mainstream science to be something like 0.005% of what exists in different forms of energy, and that's what they call mm. the universe. Mm. And visible light is a fraction of the 0.005%. So we can see a tiny, tiny band of frequency. And what and, and that that should be taught to every child as a matter of course at the earliest time they're able to grasp it. Uh, but it's not. Why? Because they want us to believe this. Uh, when I say they, I mean the inner core of mm. this global cult that I talk about. They, they want us to go on believing that all this is what it seems to be when it's not. So um, why would they... Um, go to this uh, trouble. Well, one of the things I've been saying over the years, got lots of ridicule for, but a lot less now, is that ultimately what I call this global cult, this network of secret societies, fiercely compartmentalized, so only a few really know the big picture, um, which is manipulating human society and taking us towards this very blatantly obvious dystopia now, based mm. on AI and technology. Um, that is operating within the frequency band of the human world to impose um, the will, the agenda of entities that operate outside the human world, not far outside mine, but outside in the sense that we don't, we don't see them as a matter of course, unless they enter visible light. And then suddenly we do. Mm. This is why when people see quote UFOs or entities just appearing out of nowhere, and then disappearing into nowhere. Well, of course, the five sense human reaction is that's impossible. No, it's not. Because they've not disappeared or they've not appeared out of nowhere. They've mm. passed into the narrow band of frequency that we can see and they've left it. Mm. And so to the observer, they've appeared out of nowhere and disappeared into nowhere. But then really, they've just come into our frequency of, mm. of sight and then left it. So um, these um, entities operate in what? Um, in esoteric circles, they call the astral. And, and it's very, very close to our reality, but not close enough for, for us to see it. Mm. And uh, so the question is, why, why have they manipulated our perception with this simulation? And um, the answer is they're feeding on us. Mm. Um, these entities, by their very nature, because, of course, as you will well know, um, every time you feel emotion or you, you, you have thoughts, we are generating frequencies. Mm. Um, we are putting out frequencies into the electromagnetic field. And the nature of the emotion, the nature of the thought, dictates the nature of the frequency. Mm. So fear, which of course is the, the base control mechanism of humanity, fear and depression and um, uh, resentment and uh, regret and hatred, all these things, are low, slow frequencies, mm. whereas joy and love are very high frequencies, uh, which is why they don't want the human race, those that are behind all this. They don't want us in a state of joy and happiness and peace and you know 
loving life, they want us in these low, slow frequencies. So they set up events in the simulation to draw that emotional and mental response. And they're feeding off us. Um, uh, and because um, they're in such a low frequency state, because of their state of being, if you're going to be in a low frequency state if you're uh, seeking to impose your will upon upon a, a population, for instance. Mm -hmm. The only um, frequencies they can absorb are within the band of frequency they, they resonate to. And so they need us to be in a low frequency state all the time. Mm -hmm. And so when in the... Um, the, the first Matrix movie, the Morpheus character held up a battery and said the Matrix is a computer-generated dream world designed to uh, turn humans into one of these, a battery. It was a profound statement of truth in an apparently mm. fictional movie, though there's a heck of a lot of truth in those um, in those movies, particularly the first one. Mm. Um, and, and so they're, they're feeding off us. And, and you know, th there's been... Um, uh, and, and before you go, like you say, these end, like... What are these entities you talk like? Like, can you just well? What are again, they? Again, again, everything, everything in the end is consciousness. Okay. And um, what what I, I I say we are is a state of awareness. Mm. In in our ultimate state, we are a state of being aware. The question is how aware. How much of this infinite field of insight, knowledge, awareness are we tapping into or how little? Mm. Uh, and uh, so um, the, the form, whatever it takes, is a vehicle, whether it's human or non-human or reptilian, whatever it is, it's a vehicle for consciousness to experience particular frequencies. For instance, mm. my, my consciousness, your consciousness, everyone's consciousness, is vibrating uh, much quicker than the frequency band we're interacting with. Mm. I mean, we can perceive it and interact with it in that way, but as a direct interaction, like picking up a cup or picking up a, a pen, consciousness can't do that because the frequency difference is so great. So this vehicle, which is resonating to that, uh, frequency band we wish to experience um, is uh, able to interact with the pen and the cup. And so we can pick it up. Mm. Um, and it's the same in, at, at whatever level we're operating at. The form allows us to directly interact with that particular frequency. And uh, in the, um, if you, if you look back over the, uh, over the over the what we call the centuries, a lot to know about history as well. Um, then you've got um, cultures all over the world who were um, worshiping the gods, who mm. were um, doing human sacrifice to the gods, uh, and you had the pantheons of gods galore, different names and different yep. gods. Well, I say they're the same gods, and I say I say they're the uh, these lower astral uh, entities which are ultimately manipulating um, human uh, society. And I, this is another interesting point as yeah. well, is when I started um, investigating from the early 90s, 1990s, um, the big players in this cult, this mm. global cult, um, invariably um, it led me to Satanism and often pedophilia. Mm. Um, so uh, I'm thinking, okay, hold on a minute. 
the, the, this elite today is doing human sacrifice rituals, Satanism, and, and, and so were the ancients. The ancients did it openly because it was acceptable mm. then, and these do it secretly. What entities are they interacting with? And you realize, um, after not very long, that they're actually the same entities that they're they're doing they do it they're worshiping and sacrificing to today, and that uh, uh, they were uh, in in what we call history. And so then my question was, um, so with this human sacrifice ritual, uh, what do the gods get out of it? Why, why is it a an offering to the gods? Mm. And then you realize, actually, it's the same story. Um, this, uh, whether you call it Satanism today or, or back in history, um, they were um, doing rituals, sacrifice rituals, a specific way to create maximum terror in the victim. Mm. And terror is a very, very powerful, low vibrational frequency. And as, as this is happening, the gods, are feed, gods, entities, are feeding off mm. this frequency of terror that's coming off, off the victim. Because, you know, we, we can see the body language of emotion and thought. You know, people go, ah, or whatever. And if you're really sensitive, you can feel the frequencies of um, mm. emotion mm. And, and thought coming off people but we can't see it. And the reason we can't see it, I say in the, the dream, is because it's going into the astral dimension. It's going into the astral realm. It, mm. it, it, that, that's what we're, we're feeding. And these entities and the lower frequencies of the astral realm are feeding off that energy. And then um, what happens with the, the terror in these rituals is it has an effect on the, the holographic level of um, mm. of the body, and uh, it uh, has a chemical reaction which puts an adrenaline into the blood, particular mm. adrenaline. And this is this is the blood drinking thing with the uh, the Satanists. It, they get it's like a drug to them. It's like a high uh, because they they drink the blood of the the victim with a with this um, with this adrenaline in it. So so we get into adrenochrome and all that stuff. And um, so. Again, just, just from what I've said now, you see, and a lot of these sacrifices are children, by the way, mm. um, you see the scale to which of extremes, what some people would call evil, I call evil the absence of love, my God, that's true here, um, that we're looking at compared with what the general population would perceive mm. or even think of doing, and most of them anyway, great majority of them, overwhelming majority. Mm. And so uh, when people say to me, uh, when I'm explaining how these horrors in the world are not uh, random or natural, they're actually manipulated, people say to me, no one would do that. No one would do that. No, no, mate, you would never do that. Mm. They would get off on doing it. And, and it, it, one of the big challenges over the, uh, over the decades has been to get across the scale of imbalance which is what evil is in the end, the scale of imbalance that we, we, are, uh, we are, uh, um, are dealing with. Um, and so um, you have this field of information, the matrix, which we are decoding into a, um, what appears to be a, a physical 
solid reality. Quantum physicists long shown that it's not. Mm. Um, he looked at an atom. There's no, you know, it's supposed to be an atom. Supposed to be the building blocks of the the physical world, but um, atoms are empty basically. So they, it, you know, it can't be. It's got to be illusory, and it is. Um, and the point being that, you know, what I call this matrix, what I call this simulation, is an induced dream. Hence the name of the book, the dream. Um, an induced dream. What do I mean by that? I mean, the information that we're being fed and we're decoding is presenting us with the, the dream. And um, if you, um, well, just very quickly, yeah. many, many, many years ago when I was a newspaper journalist, I would wake up in the morning and I would put the radio on, news show, uh, get what, what's going on. And often I would fall asleep again, uh, not uh-huh. for long, although it seemed a long time. Um, and I would have a very vivid dream day after day after day um, in this period. Mm. And when I woke up, <laughs> the theme of the dream was the news story that was being played on the radio. Um, so that dream that I was having was being induced huh. by information that was um, coming to me from the radio. And uh, th- this, is, this is what we're, we're, we're part of, an induced dream. And the point is, when you start to grasp that, mm. when you realize that you are consciousness, you are infinite awareness, um, and, and we've been trapped in an illusion of perception, that's what it is, mm. um, then um, you can start withdrawing from the dream. I don't know if you've ever had dreams like this. I'm sure you have. Um, I have them all the time now. Um, but when you have a dream and you believe it's real, then you're emotionally pulled in, yep. you're mentally pulled in, your fear is pulled in, all of it's pulled in. Oh, my God, you know, oh, I've just fallen off a cliff. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can have other dreams, the ones I'm just talking about, where you're having a dream, but you know it's a dream. Mm. You know it's a dream. And, and, and what you do is you become the observer of the dream and – the dream does not impact upon you emotionally or mentally anymore. It doesn't induce fear mm. because you can see it's a dream. You're aware of it's a dream. And uh, I have quite a lot of them now, and mm. it's, it's, it's quite an experience. But, I mean, so what I'm saying is why this information is important, vital, I say, is because once, once you grasp, once we grasp the nature of reality and, and, and its motivation for being, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we can start withdrawing from its impact. Mm. And in terms of um, the, the question about um, basically reincarnation, uh, I, I, uh, I concluded quite a long time ago now from various evidence that I picked up over the years, lots of it collectively, that reincarnation is real, that it's consciousness real. is um, coming into the world, it's experiencing the world, and then it's going out, and then it's coming back. And what we call past lives okay but you know my my question was or my point was first i can see why we can be manipulated tricked if you like into this reality mm-hmm. once once i can see that <laughs> but um when I've traveled around the world, I've been to about, you know, 60-odd countries uh, over the last 40-odd uh, years. Uh, sorry, 30-odd years. 
And um, people in general, the overwhelming majority of the 8 billion aren't having a terribly good time. They're yeah. trying to survive another day. Um, there's kids in mines mining for the resources for electric car batteries, for instance. I mean, there's people, they're not having a good time. Um, so I thought, why do they come back? <laughs> why would you come back when you, when you leave the body? And what, what, why, why do we experience a different reality when we leave the body? Because mm. the decoding system has ceases to, ceased to function. That's what we call death. Mm. And therefore, the consciousness is released from that illusory uh, state and enters another uh, level, I say, of the matrix. Um, I say, I say the, uh, that the human world is, is the, the, the energy-generating um, level of the matrix, overwhelmingly. But what we call the astral is also a part of the matrix, and that's mm. what so many people call the spirit world or, um, you know, heaven. And given that when you leave the body, I mean, I've read so many near-death experience accounts over the years. When, when you leave the body, you are um, leaving a very limited treacle-like yeah. frequency reality. And you're entering one that's a lot less frequency-like. So understandably, you would think this is, this is heaven or this is, this, is, this is the spirit world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and you're met by... Uh, your religious heroes or your uh, or elders or spirit masters or spirit guides uh, or um, or loved ones that you perceive to be loved ones and um, they tell you what's going on and um, how you you need to go to the light and all that stuff and we don't know what happens then because um, no you know, near-death experiences only go that far but the, the, the point is um, that the um, I, I, question I have is, okay, you believe in reincarnation, right? Yeah. So why, when you leave the body, do, do you tell me that it was a bliss you've never felt before? Because you must have felt it loads of times before. And why, when you, um, you get into the astral, why is it that, um, you have to be told what's going on because you must have experienced it loads of times before. Mm. And the answer is that what I talk about in the, in the dream is it's the mind wipe. It's, it's a wipe of memory of previous existences, at least at that level, um, the, the level that I'm talking about before you, you get wherever you go next. Um, you are, um, you're wiped of that memory. Now, some people have past life memories. There are resi residues of them. But overwhelmingly, people don't. Why is that? Because, mm. you see, with reincarnation, the classic one, we're told we have to learn lessons to evolve. Yep. I, say, I say we're already mm. all that is, has been, and ever can be. And this trap has convinced us we're not. But um, so you, um, you've got to learn lessons. All right. So... When you have all the lessons you previously learned, wipe so you have to learn them again. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, and, and by the way, this, this reality of human is so, such a challenge, yeah. such a mental and emotional challenge mm -hmm. because of its density and that what goes on here. Then instead of learning new lessons, quote, you can get pulled more into it.
mm. by by the experiences you have. And so what they're saying is that you have to go through this wheel, or is it wheel of samsara, whatever, to mm. um to to get to a point of enlightenment frequency to leave this reality. Um and so how how, how long are you going round and round and round? Why is it that we only have to uh, incarnate on this planet um, so often, mm. um, which is just a, like a billionth of a pinhead compared with the projected size of the universe for mainstream science? Mm. Why do we have to keep doing that? And, you know, what, 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 what I, I started to see very clearly in my previous book, The Trap, and then this one, The Dream, is that um, it is a trap. And what, what, what it is, um, you've got the experience in the human world where you're producing the energy, um, and then you've got the spirit world in the astral, and that's designed to hold you in the simulation so that you'll come back. You'll come back, believing you that's what you have to do to learn lessons to evolve and karma and all that stuff. Mm, mm. And yet, in the same space that all this is going on is infinite reality. Mm. But we're not tapping into that, although more and more people are now through the awakening process. And I think it's 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 uh, what I've seen with this manipulation of perception is there's cul-de-sacs everywhere to mm. trap you. So there's cul-de-sacs in the human world, all this stuff, but there's also um, cul-de-sacs in the so-called spirit world where um, you are uh, led to believe certain things that that keep the wheel of samsara spinning. Mm. Uh, and uh, so uh, it's uh, a much, much bigger picture than just human society being manipulated by a few um, deeply psychopathic people in this reality. Mm. It's, it's mm. much bigger than that. But the answer, whether it's here or whether it's there, is to take our own perception back, to take, mm. to, to take back our self-identity. Mm-hmm. Because... If you look at both both of the levels that I'm describing, we're controlled in both uh, realities by a self-identity. The self-identity here is that we are the labels of a human life. We might, some people might think, oh yeah, but we're consciousness as well, okay. But basically we're dominated by perception of the labels of a human life. And we look to authority, well, some of us don't, but we look to authority to tell us whether it's scientific authority or um, dynamic authority or medical authority, political authority to tell us what to do and, and what's going to happen. And then we go into the spirit world, another level of the matrix, I say, mm-hmm. and we have these um, another hierarchy uh, mm-hmm. telling us how things are and, and what we need to do and all that stuff. We need to take our self-identity back. So instead of identifying with form, which is just a a vehicle for experience, uh, we start self-identifying with being what we really are, which is consciousness. And we can be all that is, has been, and ever can be, uh, or we can be uh, a myopic fraction of that and think that who we are is Ethel on the checkout or Bill mm-hmm. driving the bus. Mm-hmm. When they're just experiences, they're not who we are. And uh, But if you if you look at the way society works and the way authority works, in its various forms, they're all trying to hold us in that five-sense level of reality so that we don't uh, remember, that's what it is, 
the true nature of the eye. And when we do, then the house of cards comes down. Because how, we are- how does someone who is like, uh, is there a step? Because I agree with everything you're saying. But someone might be listening going, okay, I hear what you're saying, David, but they, they feel stuck as that, you know, cashier, that actor, that salesperson, that, you know, white person, black person, Chinese person, you know, they're just imprisoned by that identity. Is yeah. there a, okay, here are five steps that someone can, like, how does someone make the steps to break out of that identification? They're hearing you. Let's say they're hearing you now, but they still feel stuck in identity. Yeah, well, it's um, it's a transformation of self-identity. And, you know, you talk about um, the nature of the body, um, uh, whether someone's black or brown or white or whatever. Um, and if you um, look at how a few, and, you know, compared with 8 billion, supposed to be here now, um, the people in full knowledge that are, manipulating is tiny it's bloody tiny it really is um and they sit atop a pyramid of a pyramid hierarchy in which their will goes down the hierarchy mm. in a system of imposition acquiescence imposition acquiescence at di- different levels of the hierarchy uh the level below um acquiesces to the, the level above and, and then impose it on the level below and and in that way you can create a circuit between the top of the pyramid and which is a tiny few people and 8 billion in which the will of the the tiny few is imposed upon the 8 billion. If people keep acquiescing to what the perceived uh, level above them, their superiors, whatever authority tells them to do. Um, And uh, so it's, uh, it's not as difficult for a few to control the many as people imagine. So long as human acquiescence is um, to authority, um, is involved. So um, you have to um, you have to focus your attention and identify with the labels of the body um, to um, to be controlled. And so the big focus is all, always on that. And if you if you if you are a few and you want to control the many, then you have to divide and rule the many. That's absolutely yeah, yeah. vital. Because if you've not got the many fighting among themselves uh, in in many and various ways for mm. for literally mm. fighting or fighting for uh, prominence or or prestige or or money or whatever, if you haven't got that. If you have a united target population, you are done for. Oh, if you my. are a few, you have mm. got to get them fighting. Now, if you look at the fault lines, race, mm. uh, religion. Mm. Income bracket, culture, all these different sexuality. Now, if you look at all these um, fault lines through which we're divided and ruled, they're all based on body self identity. All of them. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and and once we start to realize, not only are we a point of attention within an infinite state of consciousness, but everyone else is as well. Mm-hmm. Everything else is as well. Then suddenly you realize that actually we really literally, it's not just a phrase. We literally are all one. One. Yeah. But if we knew that and we, mm. we, we live that in our interactions, the few can't control the many. It's impossible. Mm. So they have to divide us. And, and, and the, the way they do it, again, this is this matrix perceptual yep. control system, 
is to get us to self-identify with mm. the vehicle and mm. not the I uh, that we um, that we really are. So, what you know, people people say, we, "What are the what's the solution?" I'm not interested in solutions mm. because solutions invariably lead to more problems, which need more solutions. Mm. For me, if you want to remove a problem, then you remove the cause of it. You remove the cause of it. You don't need a solution. You remove the cause of it. The problem must disappear because what's created it has disappeared. Mm. And the cause of the problem, the foundation cause, is um, we've taken on a fake self-identity, uh, mm. that we are um, self-identifying with what I call in the books phantom self. Mm. It's a phantom version of self based on the body. So um, if, if you um, perceive yourself and the world only through the five senses, then um, you are self-identifying with limitation because at that level, the five senses are incredibly limited. Yeah. But if you then self-identify, because uh, your self-identity is narrow mm. and myopic, so is your awareness in terms of its interaction with the infinite field. Mm. So you're, you're, you're going so far and stopping, not very far and stopping. And your perception of self and reality, therefore, is myopic. Mm. You're not accessing all that insight, knowledge, awareness, love that is available. But when you change your self-identity, not only change it conceptually, but live it, mm. but, no, no. What I've been self-identifying with is just an experience. Who I am, the I that I am, is a state of infinite awareness. And you start to self-identify, that's who I really am. Mm. What that expansion of self-identity does, because it's all consciousness interacting, it takes you more and more and more, the more the layers of illusion come off deeper and deeper and deeper into the infinite field, and suddenly you're tapping into all that insight, knowledge, love, uh, and potential and possibility, and suddenly your life starts to change, and you start to see things, become aware of things that um, you weren't before, because what we're looking at is an interacting tapestry. Mm. Uh, what they want us to see is not an interacting tapestry, all is one and interacting. They want us to think that everything is random and everything mm. is apart from everything else. Mm. Now, if you look at how the five senses perceive reality, um, they see everything as apart from everything else. Why is that? Because um, the five senses, are, uh, particularly the visual senses in this, in this case, are picking up only that frequency that and decoding that frequency which um, pertains to form. So I'm sitting here, I can see a wall, I can see a light, I can see a computer. But my five senses are seeing only empty space between the form. Mm. So by their very definition, certainly the visual senses are seeing everything apart from everything else. So we look at each other and we think we're apart from everything else. But there is a field of awareness, consciousness, that is connecting everything. And uh, so uh, if you um, go into that self-identity mode of I am 
an expression of all that is, has been, and ever can be, then that will automatically expand you into greater and greater swathes of the, the field of consciousness, and you'll become more and more enlightened. So um, this tapestry can't be identified, the connections can't be identified by the five senses because it don't see connections. It just sees form and empty space. Mm, and, mm. and therefore, when you're in this myopic state of what we call mind, you can't connect the dots. All you can see is dots. <laughs> right. As you start to expand into the field um, mm. and out mm. of the frequency band influence of the simulation, suddenly you see how everything connects. Yeah. And you start connecting the dots and you start going, oh, my God, I can see it now how it works, which mm. you couldn't before. And do you see the why the uh, the pressure is to keep people in five sense um, perception? Because then we won't see the game. Mm-hmm. Let's just take that in, folks. A couple more questions, David. Um, there's a main question I want to ask, but but real quick, you, you talk about those at the top of the pyramid. I know you write about this, but like, yeah. who, who who's at the top of the pyramid specifically? Who, who who's who's at the top of the pyramid? Because you know, people say, "Oh, come on, there's people at the top of the pyramid, and they what they get together and 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 they plan to divide and conquer." They, they like, did they sit there and plan and make a plan to separate people, or is it just greed and money, or is there like some specific agenda that they're in on? Going, yeah, we're going to do this actually with intention and malice. Yeah, it, it depends what level of the pyramid you're working at. So um, you have um, the inner core of this global cult, which then answers to the the non-human uh, force in the astral. Um, and this uh, inner core, the global cult, you would probably get in a single room, and then you come down. And they impose their will on the next level, who then acquiesce and impose it on the next level. And you're not far down the pyramid before you're reaching levels of society, the hierarchy, that have no idea there even is a cult, never mind this agenda. Mm. All they're doing is what the, their perceived superiors say and what have you. I mean, let me, let me give you an, an example. You, sometimes, you know, you don't have to put much in place to transform society. Give you an example. Net zero. What they're saying is that we have to have net zero by 2050 or earlier. Um, And net zero of carbon dioxide, gas of life, by the way, um, means that to meet net zero, society has to be completely transformed. Mm. It has to be by 2050 absolutely nothing like we've experienced it up to this point. Um, And so all they've done is put that in. And then all the governments, because it's coordinated through this this web, this global web I call the global cult, um, all the governments are saying, yeah, net zero, net zero, net zero. Yeah, we've got to get this out. Corporations, net zero, net zero. Uh, media, net zero, net zero. And, and that, if you like, uh, line in the sand, net zero, to meet it, everything has to be transformed. And all the manipulators have done in this case, There was a lot more to it, of course, but in in, in the fundamentals, all they've done is set that target of net zero to which uh, everyone kind of starts to agree at an authority level, not the population level. Mm. Um, And and, uh, so if if I just very quickly explain how this cult works, 
you've got at the center, imagine a spider's web going all around the, the world. And in the center, you've got a spider. And um, all the different strands in the web are either secret societies or um, semi-secret groups or think tanks and NGOs or government agencies, banking systems, whatever, as you come further out of the, uh, uh, from the spider into the world of the scene. And um, so I, I said right at the start that this cult structure is fiercely compartmentalized. People only know at different levels what they need to know to, to contribute their contribution mm -hmm. to, to the agenda, many of which don't even know there's an agenda. Um, and so you've got the spider, and the spider is this, uh, are these entities. And by the way, ultimately, these entities, as I said earlier, the form that they take, whether it's reptilian or gray or others, um, that's just a vehicle for consciousness. Mm. What's ultimately behind this is a deeply distorted, chaotic, crazy, actually, state of consciousness. That's what's behind it that has this motivation that seeks to control and seeks to feed, get an energetic sustenance from, from its, target, uh, its target consciousness. In effect, we say target population, it's target consciousness in the end. So you've got this, um, this spider. The, the strands in the web are immediately around the spider. They're the most exclusive secret societies. They will pretty much know the mm -hmm. game. Some of them mm -hmm. will know the game. And then you come out from that, uh, the, the spider, and you're still in the hidden. You're, you're now in the realm of secret societies like the Freemasons, you know, not Villa Joe down the lodge, the inner uh, court, huh. um, the, the Knights of Malta, the Knights Templar, so on and so forth, the, the inner court of the Jesuit order, the uh, mm. Opus Dei. There's, there's, there's so many of them. Um, and then you reach a point in the web as you come out from the spider towards the world of the scene. Um, that I call the cusp. And at that cusp, you've got the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab. You've got the Bilderberg Group. You've got the Council on mm. Foreign Relations the, in America, the uh, Trilateral Commission. You've got the United Nations. You've got the Club of Rome that was created specifically in 1968 to exploit environmental concerns to justify centralization of global power, which is exactly what's happening. Mm. Um, and, and, and you also, at that cusp, have got all these NGOs, many of which are um, funded by the, the, the Soros family, some of the key ones. Uh, mm. You've got the, the, the explosion of think tanks. And, and these are, two are all compartmentalized. So only a few in each of them will know what they're really there for. The rest will think they're doing it for other reasons. Mm. And this cusp um, grouping, um, their role, um, as with the World Economic Forum, is to take the um, agenda coming from the spider out of the hidden and to play it out in the world of the scene in through governments, mm. government agencies, banking systems, corporations, Silicon Valley, World Health Organization, World Trade Organization, World Bank, IMF, and so on. Um, and in a me global media, which this cult owns, basically. Um, and um, in that way, um, you have a again another circuit from the spider through the hidden through the cusp into the world of the scene in which the um the will of the spider is um 
being imposed mm. upon the population, the vast overwhelming majority of which don't even know there's a cult, never mind a spider, never mind a web. Um, and, you know, the, the, the key to maintaining that ignorance is that we live in two worlds, two worlds within one world. And mm. the difference between them is knowledge. So you have the secret society network, the cult, and it's secret society network. So uh-huh. what do they do? They keep secrets. Who from? The population. Mm-hmm. So what you have, and we're talking about the inner core with the real deep knowledge, um, but you have um, a secret society network, which is passing on knowledge through the generations of the secret societies. Yes, part of that knowledge is knowledge of the agenda for humanity towards a global dystopia, um, centralized dystopia with a world government. Um, and that's, 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 you need to keep that from the population, although it's more and more difficult now as they get to their mm. goals. But key, they're passing on knowledge about the nature of reality. And I'm talking about the higher levels now, not Bill and Joe again at the lodge. Mm. They're passing on knowledge about reality that they want to keep from the population. And the same cult, you just look at it, look at the Rockefellers' involvement in, um, in the education system in America, mm-hmm. the, the fundamental creation of it. Look at their control of uh, the, the pharma- their creation of the pharmaceutical industry uh, through J.D. Rockefeller, and et cetera, in America. Mm-hmm. It was the Rockefellers that created in 1948 the World Health Organization mm-hmm. um, to control health policy from a central point, which is now being absolutely suggested um, with this World uh, Health Organization treaty in which the World Health Organization would A, decide when there's a pandemic and B, dictate to all the member states how they react to it. Mm. Well, it's COVID uh, uh, mm. made official, isn't it? But so you, you, you have this cult which has um, created the corporations and the, the media and all this stuff that's operating in the, 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 among the population, it's created the education system. What is it doing? It's controlling the information. Mm. It's controlling mm. the information that and this is what all this censorship's about, that's circulating among the target population. And the goal of that is to keep the population in ignorance of yeah. what the cult knows. Uh, because if you have knowledge of the nature of reality and the public are experiencing a reality they think is real when it's not, nothing like what they're experiencing, then the position of power you're in over that population mm. is absolutely mm. colossal and fundamental. And uh, so th- that's, what's, that's what's happening. Sounds um, like and, a bit of like sl- a slight, sleight of hand. Awaken, yeah. As people start to awaken, so you're seeing more and more censorship mm. because they're reacting in a defensive way, not an mm. offensive way, actually, in a defensive way to the awakening uh, among the population to more and more of the game. Wow. Wow. You just broke it down, David, in a, in a, in a very uh, systematic way. Final question. And I, I, yeah. I, I feel like I, I could talk to you forever. You know, um, I see why, why you've written four million books at this point and a gazillion books. Because uh, you're you're a fan of knowledge, and the way you break things down is is uh, simple, but makes things pretty undeniable. 
you know. So I really appreciate that. As you look at the world, with everything you know, I guess two questions in one, but combined again. Will there ever be a time where we we all awaken? Where we all awaken and give, give us some hope going into the future. Like, what are you excited about? Will there ever be a time that the whole world wakes up where we have peace on the planet or is just the nature of the three-dimensional realm of duality in this matrix? This is it's just duality, yin-yang, light, dark. Right. Yeah, well, it is duality. That, that's what it's based on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. basically, the the simulation is an electrical system. Mm-hmm. It's an electromagnetic electrical system. Um, there's a whole area of uh, science now, cutting-edge science, not mainstream science, mm. but increasingly influential, called the Electric Universe. Uh, and uh, Thunderbolts Project is uh, a, a focus of it. And um, they, they have um, increasingly established, uh, with scientific information, that um, this is an electrical system. Mm. So if you look at the body, it works electrically. You look at the universe, it works electrically. It's all electric. And um, so um, that's, how we can, that's how we interact with it. We interact with it electrically uh, and, and through frequency. Um, and so let's break it down. Um, the reality is fake from mm-hmm. the difference in the way that we experience it to what it really is. Okay, why is it fake? To hijack our perception. So... Um, this is a fake reality. It's not about changing the world. Mm. It's about dismantling the matrix and that the matrix is being held together by our belief in it. If you believe in the dream, the dream is real to you. If you stop believing in the dream, the dream loses the energy that you would normally give it, so it starts to dismantle. And, you know, I, I hear these stories about a, a new earth is coming or we're going to have a new earth. I don't think we are. I think we're um, I think what we're looking at, you know, if you look at the Gnostic writings that were um, found in an earthen jar in Nagamadi, about 75, 80 miles north of Luxor in Egypt in 1945. Mm. Um, and the writings that were supposed to go back to around 400 A.D., they say that this reality, think of that, 400 AD, they say in these writings that they say that this world of human is a bad copy, mm. a bad copy of prime reality. And I, I do think that, and again, I can't emphasize it enough. People look up to heaven, or oh, I'm going to heaven. But reality is not structured like a chest of drawers. Mm-hmm. It's bands of frequency sharing the same space. So in this space that we are experiencing the simulation is prime reality. And part of that prime reality, I, I, I think, is not exactly like this is, but pretty close, but a completely different experience, like a completely different, um, mm-hmm. completely different, level of frequency on which it operates mm-hmm. and in, in in so many ways you can see how the the trickery um could have happened to to trick people into this when the original 
bad copy of prime reality. It's a digital frequency copy, a fractal copy. Um, was a, at the start very similar to the the what it copied, mm. and what it's like. It's like if you um, download a website and you now have it on your computer. The original website already exists, still exists, go on, goes on existing. But now you've got a copy of it, and mm. you can change the copy to suit what you want it to be. And so that's what's been happening. The, the original um, uh, reality, which still exists, is, um, is been changed and changed and changed in its digital frequency fractal form. And so it's not about, for me, mm. um, creating a new earth it's ceasing to believe in the illusory matrix the dream and when we do the earth uh if whatever it's really called um that prime reality of which this is a, a copy will start to filter through and become our reality and we will experience that as the world changing into a wonderful loving place and, but actually, it's not that it's changing. It's that what has obscured it from us mm. is 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 disappearing and is being dismantled. And I think that's where it's going. Um, in the end, we're going home. And you know, you know, the re religions um, can be absolute um, straitjackets. Ah when you buy the whole package. Mm. And with religions, they say you buy the whole package or you're not one of us, mm -hmm. right? Buy the whole package. So, um, but if you look at what religions say and you take what feels right and you leave the rest, mm. there are real uh, pearls of wisdom in there. Mm. For instance, um, one of the things that uh, really struck me as I researched this over the years is how religions and ancient cultures are telling the same story. Christianity talks about the devil, um, Satan, and um, and demons. Mm. Islam is supposed to be completely different from uh, Christianity. In many ways it is, but not on this. They talk about shaitan or iblis mm. and the jinn. The, the um, Gnostics talk about Yodabaoth, the demiurge, and the archons. And I've found this similar themes. There is a theme running through them all that there is a force in the hidden that's very what we would call negative that is um, um, imposing um, its will upon the, the world of human. It's it's a common theme. If if people would only just stop getting caught in the names and and, and what have you, and the names of the religions and the names of the of the, the, the the entities, and just look at how they're described, they'll see that actually um, it's all there to be seen. And one of the, 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 the things that um, I find interesting in the Bible is um, the Garden of Eden story. Mm. Because what, what is it talking about? Adam and Eve falling from paradise, falling from the garden. I say that garden, symbolically, is prime reality. Um, mm -hmm. um, and we've fallen into this, um, into this simulation. And we, we can't get out because we don't realize we have to get out because our perceptions have been hijacked. And it's interesting, you know, Adam and Eve um, knew, started to know good and evil. What's good and evil? 
polarity. Polarity. Because this is an electrical system. It all works on polarity. And you feed it by, by polarity. So it's why I say to people, don't resist authority. Because in your resistance, you're making electrical connection to them. You're, you're doing what they want. Just cease to cooperate. Cease to cooperate. Don't fight them. Cease to cooperate. And then they're one hand clapping. Mm-hmm. They've got nothing to clap on the other hand because you're not having it. You're not, you aren't playing their game anymore. Mm. Uh, it's a totally different way of looking at the, uh, at, um, at the world and how we respond to it. David, I've, I've loved this conversation and thank you for coming on. Thank you for being uh, courageous and bold in sharing uh, your knowledge, your wisdom for decades now. Um, at some point, if you're open, I'd love to have a part two. Uh, but for now, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Where, yeah. where, where, where can people find you and connect with you and your work? I know you have a new book, The Dream, coming out, which I'm looking forward to diving into. But what's the best website people can connect with you? Well, the dream is out now, and there's an audio version where I, I read the book uh, for people. Um, and uh, you can get that at davidite.com. And um, in North America, the, the books are in North America. So if you order the book um, there, it's not coming from England. It's coming from within North America. So you'll get it quickly. Uh, and um, it's davidike.com. And there's another website in which we've got a, a whole uh, media platform it's called iconic and Mm. uh it's not just about uh conspiracy and news shows that though we certainly have them uh all all week but there's uh there's a massive emphasis in iconic on nature of reality uh and uh i've done a a lot of films and a lot of um shows um which are on there um about that and i've got i'm just um well, it's being edited now. There's a, a, a film coming out later in the year based on Iconic, based on the dream, but um, which you can you can use special effects and stuff to really get a point across. Mm. Um, so Iconic is a, a really, um, I, I say, an important platform because it it, it, it it looks at what's happening in the world and, and looks at that uh, all the time. Yeah, of course it does. Mm. But it also looks at the big picture of, of everything. And... Um, it's, awesome. uh, it's an amazing platform. So that's iconic.com. Awesome. Folks, you heard it. Davidike.com, iconic.com. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Uh, share this episode with anyone and everyone in your life that you feel would benefit and be inspired. As I mentioned, uh, I said this was going to be a mind-blowing episode. I hope your mind has been blown and your perceptions have been expanded. Send me an email, Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I want to hear your key takeaways from today's special episode of Soul Talk, and I'll catch you next week. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.